Steve. Happy Monday. How are you, man? Fantastic. Yeah. Good weekend. Hanging out with the family and kind of pretty sunny, decent weather here in Boise. So it's, yeah, it's a great weekend. Solid. It's uh, back to normal here. We last week we were just getting off show season and kind of in recovery and catch up mode all week. So I uh, kind of missed a Monday minute last week because we were, I think you guys got home at what, like 2, 3 a.m., something like that. Yeah. Sunday yeah. Night. We didn't, we didn't get out of the Portland show till gosh, 6 30. Which was seven thirty Boise time, and yeah, by the time I was laying in bed, I think it was close to three in the morning. So, um, yeah, it was a long day, but yeah, it was uh, it's a good show, and uh, yeah, we're just excited to be uh, back in the office, back to you know regular scheduled work, I guess. Right. It was good though, man, to be to be in person. We were talking about how you know really with the COVID break, we just don't get much like that personal interaction with customers, other than phone calls and emails and you don't get too much of that these days. So it was definitely great to catch up with folks and uh, a lot of good feedback on the podcast and guys stopping by to say, Hey, and all that. So it was fun to to be in person and to have that again, for sure. Yeah, it was, it was great to catch up with everybody. And um, you know, so much of that, there's just people that you see year after year after year and you start remembering names and uh, certainly recognizing faces and um, yeah, just great to catch up with everybody and see, see industry friends. I haven't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Was there any recurring call it themes, feedback, things like that kind of from, from EXO customers that stuck out to you, you know, spending two weeks talking with folks face to face. As much as the, the podcast pops up still blows my mind. Uh, <laughs> like, I mean, obviously we see the the downloads viewership and it's, um, definitely just continuing to climb every year, which is awesome, but it's just so awkward. And in, in the sense that if I feel like you and I are just always having these personal conversations and then they just get published out there. And, um, so yeah, just to have so that, you know, it was a very much a constant, like, oh, I love the podcast and yeah, it's just cool to, uh, to hear. Cause like I said, like I'm sitting in my bedroom right now and you're in your basement and just hanging out. You're going to vote so, full really yeah. the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was cool. Um, it's been fun to, uh, uh, you know, see the progression, I guess, of the, our, our number one marketing tool is the customer. And uh, I love it. Like it's the typical story is my buddy had one. I was packing out, we were packing out an elk. He was doing fine. I was doing miserable. I tried his pack on. I couldn't believe it. I'm here to buy a pack like that popped up over and over and over again. And it makes sense with what we see on online sales when people fill out the, how did you hear about us? Cause a friend, a buddy pops up uh, more than anything else. So yeah. that was super cool. I love, you know, that's just genuine, honest, like performance feedback that uh, the pack was doing better than, than what they were wearing, you know, their buddy's pack. So mm-hmm. we uh, at hunt expo it was especially busy at that show. And that's kind of the, if you want to get out and see, you know, new products, visit with different companies, things like that. Um, that's the show to do it at Portland's great. There's some of that, but there's, you know, Portland's more of an outdoor show. So there's boats and blankets and all kinds of stuff, but hunt expo is, you know, very Western hunting focused. And I didn't get out to see as much as I wanted to see just cause we were so busy there, but I was just trying to think of anything like new, interesting, uh, that we saw, uh, from other companies there. And one thing that wasn't new to me, but gosh, it made me very impatient was, uh, went over to the XLR booth and handled some of their chassis. And you and I both have a chassis on order from those guys. And 
have since I think we put that order in in December, something like that. But hopefully, going to have it for bear season. But man, getting over to their booth and handling that thing again, I'm super excited to to spend some time in the field with that chassis, and will likely uh, be what I'm taking on my mountain goat hunt this fall as well. So that definitely made me impatient. <laughs> um, what else stands out to you, Steve? I know you visited a bit with the guys over at Canis uh, Apparel, which was yeah. new to us to put our hands on that stuff. Yeah, I've kind of seen those guys pop up online and and uh, had obviously never seen any of the clothes in person. They looked, you know, online and everything looks tidy and clean and they've got a, a good kind of well-rounded lineup. Got to meet with uh, the owner of that company. His name is Ryan. Um, super cool stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, definitely interested in testing that stuff out and you know using it in the field a little bit and seeing how it performs yeah um, yeah it's very impressed so mm. and then yeah, back to that xlr chassis i'm i'm jacked to get that thing and i've been you know for idaho eh you don't really need a folding stock i mean we're just not in that much brush but uh, all the trips to alaska it's uh, the ability to fold that stock and then uh, just navigate through the brush even like definitely while you're you know just hunting is going to be nice but like i was going back to kodiak and packing out um the one buck i shot and you know all of a sudden you're when you've it's kind of hard to navigate the brush with the barrel sticking over your head when you got like 20 pounds on your back but all of a sudden you got 100 pounds on your back then it's really hard to like bend that extra six inches down to have your barrel clear through the brush and stuff like that so that that ability to fold that stock up um man that's going to be freaking awesome i'm really excited to get that and try it out so a little nervous about the like magnesium carbon or the magnesium kind of metal touch to it like just going to be cold on the hands um mm -hmm. versus the carbon's really nice to carry so on those cold mornings you know certainly probably gonna have to put gloves on more often than not but uh but that's the only downside i see so is kind of your plan to get it drop it in your creed more see how it goes this spring summer and then potentially take it on the sheep hunt yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. that's yeah. kind of where i'm at same thing with goat it's like I want to spend more time with it. I've handled them, but only briefly. I've never hunted with one. So I'm just really curious of this sounds great. I'm super excited. Let's see what it's actually like when right. you know, I'm holding it and hunting with it for five, six plus days. Yep. Yep. Cool. Um, another random one is uh, I mentioned the Portland show that not everything's hunting focused. And I was walking around one morning actually to go get a coffee and swung by a small booth. And um, there was a, a food company there. It's called Range Bar. And I got to talking with the guy, his name's Zach, and he literally started making his own bars, snacks in college, and then has turned it into this small company. So it's pretty much him. He has a, a commercial kitchen that he works with now to make these. He has two options, um, but they're very high calorie bars, completely all natural stuff. Um, and I tried one sampled and it was pretty dang good. Bought one, um, enjoyed it. So I'm going to, it's one of those things where I'm just, you, you talk about trips and especially longer backpack trips. And we always kind of harp on wanting some variety because eating the same thing like day after day after day, it just gets old. Um, and then things like those big sir bars, which we've talked about on the podcast are great high calorie. I think those are 600 calories. And so they can get you from like breakfast to lunch without cooking. And this range bar would be another option. That's similar. It's 700 calories for the whole thing. Um, but just like a big sir bar, sometimes I'm taking that over, you know, three, four hours and not all at once. And so 
having another option kind of in that similar high calorie, no fuss, easy to consume, you know, hopefully long lasting. Um, I'm, I'm curious to get some of those and get them in the field. And he's not a hunter, but has came from a mountaineering background. And so he, he was doing some things when he was making his own bars, like making sure that they didn't freeze in really cold conditions and stuff like that, which <laughs> obviously applies to us as hunters. Um, so that was just a cool, cool little thing that I saw. And I'm definitely going to check out more. Awesome. Um, cool. One thing, Steve, that always comes up, like we're always giving each other a hard time when we're hanging out, uh, especially with Jake, of course, uh, and other guys. Co, 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 the co, co, triple co host. <laughs> um, so one of us does something stupid. And it's an oft repeated phrase of like, I remember my first time. So, you know, apply that to anything. I can't think <laughs> of a specific context, but we're always giving each other trouble of you go to do something. It could be as simple as like walking into the door, but you trip or whatever. It's like, oh, I remember my first time I did that. And we always say that as a joke, but then we're like, this would be a great podcast series. I remember <laughs> my first time. And so we already have some stories in mind from our own experience. We have some previous podcast guests and friends that we're uh, going to talk to about their first time. And these could be funny moments, serious lessons learned, what have you. I think there's going to be a big variety of what sticks out to you if we talk about hunting or backpacking or whatever and think, I remember my first time. And uh, I thought it'd be fun to throw that out to listeners too. Like, Hey, I remember my first time. And maybe again, it's a funny story or like a really unique situation or lesson learned. So all that said to say, listeners, if you have a great, I remember my first time story, uh, send us an email to podcast at Exomount Gear. And maybe it's something we'll get you on the show to talk about and probably share yeah. some laughs about and as well. The goal is just do this a series and they're like, you know, five, 10 minutes long, super short, but yeah, just, uh, yeah. Good little funny message in there or something learned. Yeah. It's going to be really fun to do this. Yeah. You said yours was going to be at what your first backpacking trip. Uh, yeah. The, the, uh, first backpacking trip I think is, is, um, is probably my best one. So yeah. yeah. All right. Well, first we'll backpack, first hun backpack hunting, actually solo backpack hunting trip. Uh, right. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Diving into listener questions. Um, a short and sweet one. We don't, talk about this much, but it comes up pretty frequently. It came up at shows. We had guys asking, we get emails and Instagram messages and all kinds of stuff. Does EXO have a pro staff? And if so, how do I join? Um, you don't really have to answer those questions too much anymore, Steve, but how do you answer those questions or how would you talk about that? Uh, I mean, yeah, no, we don't. Um, and that just stems from me hating, uh, hating is a strong word, but disliking how some of that works. Right. Uh, and that more mainly ties into just social media and people like, Oh, I've got X amount of followers. You should give me a pack for free and, and all, you know, represent you and blah, blah, blah. I could just care two craps about that stuff. Um, so yeah, for us, it's always been, um, we certainly have guys that, uh, we take care of, like we either, give pack discounts to, or we give them a pack for free, but, um, that's because they've bought and used our stuff. Um, they're legit hunters. They're good ethical guys. Like 
people that, that we get to know we're, we just, we're not, um, yeah, if you're going to represent XO in any form or fashion, I want to know who you are before we just, you know, you know, work with you as far as a discount or a pack goes. So, um, that's pretty much what that is. Yeah. We've just never had a pro staff. I mean, um, it's just something that's always just turned me off. Yeah. yeah. You can yeah, probably elaborate one... further. I haven't had, had, I haven't had to answer that question for a while. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's the answer. It's one thing that I've, um, from my own previous experience, like, you know, I had been on like the pro staff of things like bow companies and stuff in the past, uh, pre XO. And to me, it's one of the thing, the thing that I, well, there's several, they, they don't like, I don't want to go on the rant, but <laughs> it, the fundamental issue I see is people who want to represent a company or product that they don't have experience with. Yes. Um, simply because they want something for free. They want something for free and they think there's an opportunity to do it. And as you said, like in the outset, like we want people who yes, love the product and whatever, even regular customers. And we talked about that, like the number one thing, the number one reason people buy something from XO is because a friend told them about it or shared it with them. Like we love that, but we want any exposure of the product to be from real use. And so if you think of like a pro staff, it's like, well, are you even using the product now? Or are you just out shopping for an opportunity to get something for free? And that's what bugs me. I mean, that it was the same way. Like, again, going back in time, I was on pro staff with Elite Archery for quite a while. And it was, I was already shooting their bows. I already 100% loved them and was on board. And then an opportunity came up of like, hey, do you want to help us out and work some shows and do this and do that? And that makes a lot of sense versus blindly, as you said, Steve, like, oh, I'm cool on Instagram. Give me a pack right. and I'll share it with my followers is two completely separate things. So yep. um, yeah, if you guys are, you know, cause we get, again, we get people who reach out for different reasons and do have different uh, platforms or whatever you want to do. And again, it, a lot of times it comes back to us of like, do you actually use the pack? Do you love the pack? Maybe you're interested in trying the pack and we can work something out, but it's not going to be like a, you're on the pro staff deal. So, um, so on our recent Monday minute, Steve, I think it was the one in the truck, uh, on show season, we were talking about base camp water filter options. And you mentioned, uh, Ketadine's be free base camp filter mm -hmm. and that you had been using that. So we actually got a follow-up from a listener who had also been running that exact system, uh, the 10 liter model. And he said, he's been running it for about three years. He usually hunts with two to four kids uh, for like a full week during elk season. And so he uses that filter system for uh, that handful of folks on that trip. Uh, he said he did have an issue with it clogging up on a trip and he reached out to Catadine to get some advice. And they mentioned a few things um, like, you know, your water source and all that stuff, which is um, going to be beneficial. But one thing they mentioned, and I wanted to share again, this is in the context of a base camp is said, they said, wrap a large paper coffee filter around the cartridge and secure it with two rubber bands and swap that out frequently. Hmm. Um, so you're basically making a pre-filter with a coffee mm -hmm. filter. Uh, he said he's been doing that for the last two seasons. It's been really helpful uh, since doing that. He hasn't had any clogs in the filter element itself. Uh, and he said he's specifically been amazed at how much sediment the coffee filter catches even when it looks like he's filtering from a very clean water source. Um, 
So again, we've, I think mentioned in the past, like even when you're backpacking, if you have a very bad water source, you can use a shirt, bandana, something like that as a pre-filter when backpacking. But I thought it was worth mentioning because we were talking context to base camp. You have a bit more space, less weight restrictions, things like that. Not that coffee filters weigh much, but um, specifically for those higher use base camp filters, Cadden or otherwise, a pre-filter could be a great suggestion. He said it worked great for him. So I thought it was worth sharing. Yeah, that's a cool idea. I certainly, um, yeah, I mean, I go through just from past experiences with uh, really, you know, for years, the Sawyer, um, the Caden and Be Free, like the one liter one that I used last year a little bit. Also the, what's the one you used? Um, uh, the Platypus Quick Draw. Yeah, Platypus Quick Draw. Any of those hollow fiber filters, they clog very quickly with really dirty water. So definitely go through, you know, pay as much attention as I can to get clean, the cleanest water I can into the dirty water bag, right? If you got a lot of sediment in there, um, it's, yeah, certainly there's been times where I'm just through experience, like, oh man, this thing's going to clog my filter. Like it's the cleanest water I can find, but it's not clean. Uh, but I haven't actually taken that next step to like, okay, as there's some type of pre-filter I could use. Uh, so that's a, a definitely a great idea with that. That wouldn't apply to the other ones, but I'm sure there's something you can do with a, a coffee filter to pre-filter water going into the dirty water bag. Maybe. I don't know. You have to play mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. When's the last time you were in a spot where you had to really use a crappy water source? <laughs> For me, I feel like it's been a while. Yeah. There's one, this place I killed an elk two years ago, Tanner came out at archery bull in Idaho it wasn't on that trip, but the, the last time I'd been in that country, there's not much water up high. And I had to filter out of this wallow that was just, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> just like, I don't like, no matter how it. many times it filtered, it was just freaking yellow colored water smelt like elk piss. You know, <laughs> like I remember like, I think I, I ended up like I drank one and I was like, that's disgusting. And I tried boiling it just to like make myself feel better. And that was still disgusting. <laughs> and then ended up like, screw it. I'm going to hike down. Like, you know, it's like 3000 feet back down there uh, to the water. Um, ended up doing that the next day. So um, there was one time was one trip with Cody Kellum from born and raised. We we're uh, blacktail hunting and there's very little water in this area. And we found this like little pool, but it was covered in leaves. Um, and that it had just like, it was like drinking leaf tea. You know what I mean? Like the water was just yellow and you kind of like, ah, it's yellow in the dirty bag. And typically like, you know, you filter it through and it cleans all that stuff out, but it just stayed yellow. And that was pretty gross water to drink But that. Yeah. That's been five or six years as well as, as well. So hasn't, mm-hmm. yeah, hasn't been bad on our, um, sheep hunt in 2020, uh, right at, camp like for a camp and like the first half mile above camp there was this um what would that be just lead the the what the it was like this orange mud um and you that was like that was strong taste to that um and you had to we had to hike above that to get water but above it was crystal clear so yeah other than that man i mean usually finding clean water is a matter of uh even in dry climates a matter of effort right um, mm-hmm. and, and I'm definitely, you know, getting wise in my old age of 37 that, uh, like when you come across clean water, just fill up the freaking bladder, um, yeah. and don't try to skimp cause it just inevitably bites you in the butt. 
it's like you don't want to you don't want to pack the extra you know three four pounds of filling it halfway versus full but um yeah having having a lot of water i i know i perform better when i'm out there if i'm staying really well hydrated so having water is never a bad thing Mm -hmm. you mentioned cody and it made me uh just think of a timely reminder if folks are interested I guess it was last week um, on Born and Raised YouTube. They released the first of two episodes from our Kodiak trip Mm -hmm. uh, with Cody Kellum. And I know that the other one is coming tonight. So just a heads up for folks. If you want to see some of the footage from Kodiak, uh, again, which we've talked about in the podcast from this past November, that second part is going to happen tonight. So we'll leave a link to the Born and Raised Outdoors YouTube uh, in the show description, if you guys want to check that out, I'm pretty sure this is episode two where he kills a buck with a pistol, which is yeah, pretty, pretty dang awesome footage. Like <laughs> it was, he was wearing a GoPro, which makes it look like a first-person shooter video game, basically. And then you were over his shoulder filming, accidentally in slow motion, but actually turned out to be a great, lucky a great accidental one. strategy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that footage yeah. is coming tonight. Uh, I should, I should say for you, Steve, that footage is dropping tonight. (laughs) 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 Uh, There's certain words that, uh, just irritate me. And that is one like dropping tonight, dropping, dropping new product, dropping. Uh, so I told everybody at XO and SNS droppings an off limits word. Um, and I I added a few more to the list too. I was just like, game changing. Yeah. Game changing new game changing product coming blah 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 yeah uh, i just can't stand corny crap like that uh, which all the more makes me want to work it into things but yeah, <laughs> so new episode dropping tonight it's um <laughs> hunting black toe with a pistol which you you never considered as a game changing tactic so <laughs> go check that out all right back to listener questions uh a guy wrote in and said my buddy and i are planning a diy alaskan caribou hunt for next year We've already picked our spots with the fly-in transporter and have an 80-pound per person gear limit. Uh, says he's been reaching potential four-season tents for this hunt, and he's struggling to make a decision. He wants a tent that will hold up to those high Alaskan winds, uh, and they're also specifically looking for one bigger tent for the two of them uh, where they can sleep comfortably and have room for all of their gear. So he's kind of narrowed it down to the four-person Cabela's Alaskan Guide Series or the Hilleberg Caron. Uh, it says, do you guys have any thoughts on those or any other tent suggestions? The Cabela's tent is obviously a cheaper option, so it's nice to save some money if you can, um, but he's willing to pay for a more expensive tent. It will, it will give him the extra confidence for the Alaska weather. So I have not used those Cabela's Alaskan Guide Series since Steve, but... I don't the, think- the name like actually seems accurate. I know yeah. a lot of guides in Alaska who actually do use those. Yeah. Um, does it still exist? It does. It does. So, yeah. The real recent dra- oh, I don't say drama, but downside of Cabela's and Bass Pro and all that. But I know Cabela's has lost some of their the products and lines. I did see them still available though. I can't tell you that they haven't changed, which is one caveat mm. I was going to throw out there. But historically, they've been great tents, especially for the money. Yes. Yeah. And guys truly do use them in Alaska. So Yeah, it looks like they did. For a while there, they... Because Bass Pro Shops had... I, I specifically remember going through this when uh, we did it. We planned our caribou trip up there in 2019. 
Um, and I ended up getting this big old hair Hilberg. I can't remember the name of the Atlas. That's what it was. Um, but I wanted to buy the Cabela's one, but they were like discontinuing the larger version of it. And then they had like a Bass Pro Shops model that was a replacement. Um, yeah. And it wasn't, you know, I just don't think it was of that same quality that mm-hmm. the Alaskan guides. But yeah, if you do like um, almost all of the air transport services up there, when they provide tents, it's that tent. It's the Cabela's Alaskan guide tents. They, and they use them for years and years and years with different clients, treating them like crap and beating them up and um i think they're a really solid option to go up there with for sure um you're never going to go better than a hilleberg uh obviously as far as an investment wise those things are just you know the best tents you could possibly bring on something like that um but uh those cabelas for a cheaper option i think is a a really good choice Hmm. so and outside of that there's like nothing at least when i was looking a few years back um, yeah, it was just not everything else is like lower 48, three season backpacking. Um, there's just not a whole lot of stuff that, um, you know, Alaska is just a different beast up there with weather. So, yeah, you can definitely get into um, mountaineering tents, um, you know, that are four season. And most of the time on those mountaineering lines and for four season, that's it's really for snow um, and the structure that comes with that, yes, is going to help with wind uh, for sure. Um, so I'm not saying that those aren't suitable, but oftentimes those are still adding up to be pretty dang spendy uh, as well. Um, I've actually used a Nemo. I was trying to look it up. Kunai, K-U-N-A-I. Um, they call it a 3-4 season tent. I'm not sure what that means. To me, it was like very stout. Um, hmm. But one thing you're looking for is pole structure, um, shape and, you know, guy outs. Um, you just kind of can't have too many, uh, even on that big Hilleberg it's, we were tying down everything we could tie down, um, (laughs) every possible thing, every possible thing. So, yeah, I mean, you just, you want to try and go with something domed, something that's gonna, uh, deflect wind, something that's not going to have very, long flat vertical walls um that are obviously going to absorb that wind impact um and then obviously solid pole structure that's reinforced and yeah as many guy outs really as you can i mean we were tying stuff into the ground and try and get it to hold and then we were tying stuff to brush that was around uh we definitely had the wind for sure so i would it's definitely an area where 100 don't skimp um I would again, talk with, uh, your transporter, but chances are a lot of folks you talk up, talk to up there would recommend, um, those Cabela's guide series tents. And I would say as long as the recent production on those hasn't gone downhill quality wise, that's honestly the option I would probably go to, um, unless you just flat out can't spend for Hilbert. Yep. Agreed. All right, let's wrap up with this one. Uh, this guy wrote in and said, I'm an East Texas East Texas native that has never been out West before, but your podcast has inspired me to try my hand at mule deer hunting on public land. I've started researching gear and it's so different from the gear I normally need for where I live. He says he's come to glassing tripods and tripod heads and he's narrowed it down to a couple of options. It mentions the Slick SVH 501 and then the Suray VA5. 
He then says, I'm not sure if I'm comparing apples to apples, but each head seems to come on a couple different popular combo units. By that, he's meaning tripod and head combinations. Mm-hmm. Then he says, for a guy who has never glassed or used a tripod, so he is like zero experience, what are the differences in these heads? And should he be looking at one of these options or look at something else? Should he be looking at ball heads? So he says, I'd love to hear what you guys think for a good entry-level system for a guy who will travel from out of state and use it five to 10 days a year. I know it's a valuable tool, so I want it to be functional, but also not crazy expensive. Yeah. Um, So to me, like what's left out in that is, you know, not knowing what optics he's planning to use and things like that. But where would you start for him, Steve? Yeah. So the SVH 501 head sucks. Just throw that one out. So boom, Um, you're done. Yeah. That one's easy. Um, Like if you, um, on SNS archery, you know, we sell a lot of tripods and, and, um, and heads and, and yeah. So we work with slick a lot and we sell a ton of their tripod legs. Their heads just aren't there, um, for just smoothness. And, you know, they're just not, um, really when you're looking for heads, you almost have, it has to be advertised as like fluid video head. Um, cause anything else, um, cause and that's marketed towards like you know, photography, right. Uh, and run camera, um, anything else. They're just not, they don't have, it's for taking pictures, right. That's what these, uh, companies are designing these for. Um, and it just needs to like, you know, you loosen up the knobs, you point it where you want it, you tighten down the knobs, you're done. Um, completely different when you're glassing through a spine scope and binoculars and binoculars, you can get away with more because it's a smaller magnification and also a lighter optic. Um, but you get a big, heavy spine scope on there, um, you know, 65, 80 millimeter, whatever. And you're zoomed into 60 X any, you know, any herky jerkiness in the, as you're trying to pan left and right or tilt up and down. Um, it just makes that glass and experience really hard. It's hard on your eyes. Um, cause it's, you know, this, these harsh little movements. So that's where like a really smooth fluid head is critically important. Um, the the VA5 from Suray is the, one of the best of the best. Um, phenomenal head, uh, can handle just about anything. Um, really hard to go wrong with that. The downside to it is it's I think a pound, maybe a one pound, one or two ounces. Um, that's where this last year we started um, hooked up with uh, Wiser Precision there on that new head they made. And that for six ounces, you know, it's a full ten ounces lighter. Um, it's not quite a va5 but man is it close um certainly i mean i used it all season on my sheep hunt um took it up to kodiak like it's a phenomenal head so uh a little bit more money but if you're trying to save every ounce you can that wiser precision i think he calls it the nighthawk pan head is just phenomenal the other option you'll see out there a lot is is ball heads um to me those are just a complete joke um, even the best ones out there, they're just not going to pan smoothly. Like anyone who's used one hasn't used a good fluid pan head, uh, in the field before to know the difference. Um, you know, there's, um, for again, if you're just using binoculars, you can get away with, it'd be okay. Um, but they're just, they're just not going to be the same. If you're going to sit in one spot and glass for six hours, the, the glassing experience would be night and day, um, with a good fluid pan head versus a ball head. So, um, yeah, does that answer the question? 
Yeah, I think it's just important to keep the context in mind. I mean, this guy said very specifically he's going to hunt mule deer. So it's not a guy who's going, yeah, you know, I'm looking at the elk spot and it's kind of open country and I want to glass a little bit. I mean, this right. is a mule deer hunt. Your glassing setup and strategy is going to be critical to your success, most likely, right? Yes. Um, it can vary, you know, based on the terrain and things like that you're in. But, you know, most likely it's going to be very, very important to make or break your hunt. Um, what's a, so, you know, he was kind of narrowing down on the heads, but while we're covering the discussion, what is your, I don't want to say budget recommendation. Cause there's obviously a line where it's like in the end, it, it's just don't go too cheap. Right. Yep. Like, yes, yep. he's using this five to 10 days a year, but really tripods, especially are one of those things where although you can buy a cheap tripod, like some of them are legit worthless. So <laughs> yeah. Um, keep in budget in mind. Like what would yeah, you tell this guy? It's a tripod. Like I say, if you had, say you had a, you know, this would be sound high, a $2,000 budget to get your spline scope and tripod. Don't buy a, you know, $1,950 spline scope and a $50 tripod. You would be exponentially better off to buy a vortex razor and buy a really good tripod and head. Um, just because you know the tripod and head is what's holding the optic. And if you've got a, you know, a fantastic Koa or Swarovski sitting on a cheap aluminum tripod that literally, if you just like tap the leg on the side, vibrations just kind of radiate through the thing for, you know, 45 seconds. Um, you know, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't work. You're going to blurry image the entire time. Uh, and so sure it might like, you know, you would have to get that tripod as low to the ground as possible. Um, and then every time you panned and every time you just touch the tripod or touch the focus wheel on the spine scope, then you have to like sit back, wait for 30 seconds, wait for everything to calm down. And then you can glass through it. Like the, the difference between that and just like, if you got a, you know, a VA five head on a good set of like the slick six twenty four legs, you, I mean, it's just rock solid the entire time. Um, so definitely you, the tripod makes the glass in experience, the tripod and head make the glass in experience compared to the glass. Um, ideally you have the best of both, but, um, definitely don't skimp on a, on a cheap tripod, I guess is the, the lesson. So, um, they're, um, they're just, it's really important. So and it's tough to spend, you know, Oh yeah. You're probably three, 350, 400 bucks on a VA five and some, some legs, some slick legs, but, um, definitely worth it for the long-term investment. And that's going to last you forever, right? That, that's a 15 a year purchase. Later. That, yeah, yeah. There's no, um, the slick six, two, four legs that I've got, I think I've had since 2010, uh, and they're still going strong. <laughs> like there's that they haven't changed anything about them. Um, all I did was swap out the center post from an aluminum one to a carbon one, save some weight, um, which we're, uh, FYI working at is to have an option to S and S to be able to do that. Um, hopefully that happens here this summer. Cool. Awesome. Well, that's a wrap for today, guys. As always, thanks for tuning in. And once again, if you have questions that you'd like to uh, have us address on the show, just send an email. And also that I remember my first time story, send us the email uh, to podcast at xomountgear.com. Uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Legit excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fun.